Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. So today we're going to be discussing um, several things. Before we get to what it looks like to actually do ritual, I have to tell you what it is, define it, and kind of let you know where we're all at in this soup of human experience, right? Because it's not, it's not black and white, and it's not just going to your nine to five and then sleeping every night. You're actually interacting with a lot of different things on a subconscious level, right? And those things create your life. And that's the reason why you can have people on such a humongous spectrum of experience. You can have the outright poor and the mega rich and everything in between. And you can have the ultra-religious and the people that are atheist and everything in between. You can have all those experiences as a human being and we don't have the same experiences in life. So we have to ask ourselves a question. If, if there is truly an objective reality, why is that? I mean, truly, if there is a reality that we all can bounce off of that is the reality, why is it everyone has such different fucking experiences in life? Right. So shamans would say that there is only descriptions of reality, and you choose your description according to how you've been raised and programmed. Right? And so today we're going to discuss the interaction of ritual with that, what it means to start to engage that on an energetic level and in a willful level that can actually change your life, right? Because this is something that's not discussed or uh, talked about or something that we don't educate ourselves on on a consistent basis in our current lives. The modern day society thinks that all this is kind of junk and we kind of leave it behind. And on top of that, as I said in many other lectures, we've left a lot of this stuff behind when we stopped listening to shamans and started listening to priests, right? So Christianity came along and demonized everything that wasn't what they thought the agenda was because history is written by the victors, right? Those are the victorious in battle who are those who wrote history. So you really can't use history as an absolute guide to how things went down, and that includes Christianity, and so they left out a humongous swath of depth wisdom when they said the shamans, are de the shamans worship demons, and we can't listen to them anymore, right? Because what the shamans had a beat on is the experience of the astral realm, how it engages us, how it creates our reality. The spirits that live therein, might, you might believe they're only reflections of our inner and greater powers of the highest ideals of humankind. But you can also believe that there are outward entities as well, right, that engage with us. But how do you even reach those at all? We have no clue in our modern-day society how to do that. Those of us who do are few and far between, who've truly studied and had real experiences in evocation and understanding ritual on a depth level and had rapturous experiences in a little room in our apartment where things have come and visited us, and we changed our lives that way, right? So it's very few and far between that people have done that and overcome their fears around whatever religion has taught you and deprogram themselves. And so we need to address some of that before I actually get into what a ritual practice looks like. That makes sense? Because that is a big ball of, of yarn to unwind. So you can see here, I have on, on here this pretentious little, little thing underneath the the, the the class, the reality of ritual, moving beyond the fourth dimensional understanding of reality. Brandon, what the hell does that even mean? Okay, well, we'll get into that in just a minute, but that's, that's what I hope to relay to you throughout the, the class today. 
So this is our reality as we know it. We can only see life through five senses according to science. Okay, so this, that's something that we all believe in this room on some innate level. We've had experiences outside of that, and we have a lot of questions about it, hence this store. Right? People shop here all the time. They come in here for guidance. They come in here for all kinds of, of different reasons. But it's because their experiences have guided, guided them to this spot. Their experiences have said, no, there's something more than the five senses that I can understand. Because I've experienced it. I've experienced that ghost in my room at the middle of the night. Or I've, I've experienced being out of my body and seeing other places with clarity and then visiting them. And they were the same as if I visited them in my physical body. I've experienced these things. So I don't understand why science is telling me that I only have five senses. This leaves us with uh, the definable attributes of height, depth, width, and time, or the perceived four dimensions. So the perceived four dimensions are right there, height, depth, width, and time. That's what we experience in, on this mundane plane in a physical way. These are very physical experiences around us. This creates many questions in the human mind as our experiences often go outside of these uh, dimensions. Examples include uh, confounding synchronicities that defy reasonable explanation and statistics. Kelly right now is uh, the, uh, my partner and owner of the shop is in New York right now. And in New York, she's doing all kinds of things for the shop. And we started a wholesale line and she's up there you know, making her moves. And she's also visiting our editor while we're writing a book and she met a, uh, a couple that's out of the country. I think it was a Dutch couple in a Starbucks. And they were asking her, what do we order here? We don't have star Starbucks. And so she told them, and they were delightful. And four hours later, after she ate and went across town and did different things, she got on the subway and walked right into the car, and they were there in front of her again. Out of, now, this is New York. So think about this. What are the statistical chances of that happening? Next to Neil, it's like hitting the lottery almost. Really. And that's just one of many she's had while she's up there because she's a very synchronistic person. She's in tune with the astral. And I'll get into that in just a minute. What does it mean to sync up with the astral in a way where your life starts to unfold, where everything starts to work in your favor, things start to flow your way, and synchronicities start to pop up everywhere? So she's in that zone. I could name off several. Uh, she met a friend of hers from L.A., in New York, on the street, just walking down. What are the chances of that? She's from L.A., and they had no intention of meeting, no plans of meeting. I could go on and on and on of all the synchronicities she's had that are outrageous while she's up there. But these synchronicities, and all of you have experienced at least one of these in your lifetime, where it's like, I can't believe that this right here is in front of me now. How in the world is this here? It's unexplainable especially according to what you would say lottery statistics are. It's almost the same as hitting that, but somehow it's popped up in your reality. If you let it really sink in how almost impossible that is, you'll know that that's a supernatural happening. That's something from the astral and your subconscious interacting with each other. Okay? Experiences with places and things that go beyond our fourth dimensional understanding. Three quarters of Americans believe in the paranormal, and one in five claim to have seen a ghost all based on their experiences. Many famous and highly intelligent people have claimed to have paranormal experiences. Winston Churchill, Arthur Conan Doyle, Alan Turing, if you don't know him, he's a British guy that's one of the best computer scientists in the world. Um, Emma Stone, Ariana Grande, Keanu Reeves, and many, many more. 
I mean, we could sit here all day about all the people that have had supernatural experiences that are actually out there in the media, that are out there that have sound mind and sound body. Out-of-body experiences are now accepted as a neurological phenomenon. This is how common they are. Out-of-body experiences are now accepted by science, by medical science as a neurological phenomenon. So where does this leave us? It leads us just to many questions. Because once again, we don't have shamans. We don't have people that tell us what the fuck is up with all of that. Because they know. They understand because they experience it. They had ancient ways that were passed down in generations and through oral traditions. And each family knew exactly what the path was that they could take in order to understand and experience more of the spirit world and deepen their gifts, have more mastery of self, become a better human being in a more complete way instead of just dropping the knee and praying to Jesus. And I'm not against Christianity. I'm just saying, I'm talking about the Christian culture, right? The Christian culture, because I come from it, I know it. The Christian culture says, all you need is Jesus, drop the knee, you're saved, cool. You know, if you need any more counseling, go to your pastor. And he's not even, not even qualified to counsel you through the deep emotional and rifts and understandings of the spirit world that a lot of these people face. Somebody that's deeply gifted, that's seeing shadow people, and having out-of-body experiences goes to a pastor, the first thing they'll want to do is cast a demon out, not counsel them through acceptance of self and understanding of bringing through. So where do these people go? You go to a psychologist, and they're going to have a very, very scientific view of it, right? Most. Some you'll find good counselors that understand this stuff a little bit and have studied like I have into the shamanic realms and presences. But it's still few and far between. We need a better culture to support this. And you can create it at home for yourself. And that's the whole point you're here, is to understand what that means. To understand what it means to create it for yourself. Because ultimately, the spiritual journey is an individual journey. Right? I can stand up here all day and tell you about my experiences. But you're going to have to experience your own power. Your own movement through your gifts in order to truly come out on the other side and say, wait a minute, I kind of have an idea, right? And don't get me wrong, I learned from teachers for years. But ritual is about your experience. So let's move on. What is the human experience and why haven't we got it figured out? Just like I said in the beginning, if there is an objective reality, if there is an absolute truth that we could bounce everything off of, how come all these questions abound? How come we cannot figure out these experiences? What role does the human psyche and subconscious play into our reality and how it unfolds? Now, all this ties into ritual. But these are all questions that are brought up by everything I just mentioned so far. Why can some manifest things easily while others struggle to manifest anything? What manifests our lives? How do beliefs influence all this, our upbringing? What advantage or disadvantage do emotions give us in this reality? And much, much more, but all of this leads to ritual and its importance. So our experience defined when it comes to actually engaging with all parts of the being. Because right now, 
none of us have an education for the most part of how to engage with the astral properly. We don't know. We don't know how to engage with the astral. What do I mean by the astral realm? The astral realm is the realm, right, that is just steps beyond or dimension beyond um, where death and life begin. So it's, you know, that big question that we have, what happens after you die? The astral realm is where you play after you die. It's where you either get recycled back into this life or you've learned enough lessons to move on. Or you've gained enough power through discovering yourself to say, I want to break out of this. That's the astral realm. That's where it all takes place. And the astral realm has a lot of reflections from our subconsciousness. The astral realm has a lot of a lot of engagement there. It's where gods are created by our collective. It's also where gods just simply exist from their own will. And it's where a lot of the cosmos and the energy that created the cosmos just kind of drips into. It is a place of pure energy. Okay? That realm creates our realm. It creates the mundane, and it affects the mundane in every single way. When I say the mundane, I'm talking about the four-dimensional reality that you all know right now. These chairs, how they're solid. This table, how it's solid, right? My voice, how I'm speaking, and how you can hear it. The smells, the engagements of everything around you in this market. That's all fourth-dimensional stuff. If you were to start to see ghosts walking through here, right, and all the people that have passed that have worked here and shit like that, and you had that kind of gift then you'd start to move past the fourth dimensional realm in your understanding and in your senses. Okay? And so you'd start to see the astral just a little bit if you had that kind of gift, like some of you do. Right? Some of you have that gift here within the sound of my voice and, ha- and are so scared of it, you didn't know what to do with it as a child and you buried it. And that's what happens to most of us. But see, if we were still living in villages and we had the great matriarch and she came out and said, hey, I noticed you got a gift. Let me show you what to do with that. Let me show you how not to be afraid of it. Let me show you to stand in your power, not only as a human being on this planet, right, in the fourth dimensional realm, but let me show you how to stand as a being of power in the astral as well so that you can truly claim your life and start to create from a different place. Because if you are only creating your life from what you know about this realm, you are at a big disadvantage. All you will constantly do is get sabotaged by the subconscious plays that happen that bounce off the astral realm and reflect back into your life. And then when shit doesn't unfold the way it needs to for you, you don't have the tools to really make it through. Right? I'll share with you a very personal story. I just had to save my daughter's life recently. She's in an abusive situation, and I had to walk in like I was dismantling a bomb and get her out of there. It was like I was constantly facing a cobra in a cave. I had to be very alert, very awake, very aware. And it took every single bit of the 20 years of development that I've done on myself and learned from all my teachers in order to pull that off and pull her through. And she's recovering now, and she's doing good. If... I didn't know anything about the astral, and all I knew to do was drop the knee and pray to Jesus. She would not have come out of there like she did. Because I knew how to grab a hold of something to manifest it differently. 
Does that make sense? I had options that a lot of people don't have options to because they don't know how to grab a hold of that realm that creates everything in our lives and manifests it. I knew how to unfold the subconscious a little bit and speak differently into everyone in that situation and command it differently. So if I didn't educate myself on this, if I didn't know, if I wasn't in touch with the power that I had available to me and understand how to unfold that situation better and make it come out the way that I wanted it to, to come out, which is her living and recovering, right? Then I would have been just tossed by the waves of life. I would have just been taken advantage of by that situation. And that's where all of us live. All of us live in that experience. When something bad comes up, we just get taken advantage of by the situation. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to make it manifest differently. We don't know how to use and exercise our will in a way that will guide it. We just kind of do our best with it. But ritual and the understanding of the astral and how all things flow into existence from that and the engagement with that process will give you many options in those hard times. It will also help you manifest your best life outside of the hard times. We experience our interactions with these realms through our emotional lenses, upbringing, belief, structures, trauma, and all other things contained in our being, hence the importance of unwinding the self. I'll get into more of that in just a minute. If you want ritual to really engage with you, if you, if you want to have very powerful ritual structures, you're going to have to start doing some work on yourself. This is part of becoming a more masterful human being. I tell my students there's three ways to grow up. You have to grow up emotionally. And what that means is not just doing it on your own. You have to resource yourself because you have blind spots. We all do. The whole reason why my daughter got into the situation is because I couldn't see it for years. And then it, it reached a head. I was like, oh, shit, she needs help. I couldn't see it. And I'm a very caring dad. Had nothing to do with it. I just had a blind spot. You need people that can call you out on your shit that are trained to do so. Gestalt therapists, somatic therapists, people like that, people that can engage with your inner in a way that has real depth, that can guide you out of those times. That's the beginning of power because your emotions and your beliefs rule your life. You will never go anywhere if you don't start there. You got to start there. And all the people that just shun that shit, you can just stay wallowing. But that's the beginning of power. Number two, you have to, you have to train the body and allow it to grow to the point to where it's very sensitive and engaging with the energy around you. Through yoga, Kundalini yoga is one of the best, but through yoga and different experiences like that, you can train it to start to engage with the auric field around you and the nervous system to be strong and the energy centers of the body to come on board so that you can actually start to have a vehicle to move all this in properly. Number three, you have to grow spiritually. A lot of us remain babies here. A lot of us remain babies emotionally too. We come up as children. We don't know how to move past the childhood ways. Nobody trains us out of it. And so we're just adults walking around as big babies. And so we need constant work there. Another way that we need constant work is spiritually, but nobody actually engages that. And that's why all of you are listening to me this morning, because nobody has a clue on how to grow spiritually. What does it even mean? What does a spiritual practice even look like in the United States? Does anybody even know? Do we have a culture around it? Do we understand it? 
Do we have one that really engages us in a way that makes us grow and makes us transform and makes us change in a better human being and makes us grow into our power and makes us stand astrally in a way where we can command the forces around us and allow our lives to unfold the way that we want them to? We don't have that kind of education. And so a lot of us stay babies spiritually, so we don't have any spiritual command. We don't have any spiritual voice. Our frequency when we speak it doesn't hit. It doesn't have impact the way we want it to because we cannot command the ether to respond the way that we want it to. This is why ritual is so important. It is an organized way of interacting with the astral realm so that we can do it in a conscious manner. Because right now, all of us are interacting with the, with the astral realm. All of us are interacting with that spiritual realm around us. We're very spiritual beings. We, we are constantly connected to it, okay? But we're doing it unconsciously. We're doing it from our subconscious. The whole point of ritual is to do it in a conscious way. Also, ritual engages the most powerful parts of the human experience and allows us to embody those things, claiming our godhoods. So... One of the greatest things about the, uh, about the astral realm is that it contains the very most powerful aspects of the human experience. The greatest of love, the greatest of joy, the greatest of strength, the greatest of grit, the greatest of transformation. All that's contained in the gods that are there. And when you meet them, they serve as reflections for you. And the more you spend time in their presence, the more you embody what they have. Right? But there's a very specific way to get there. And none of us really know how to do it, right? But ritual allows you to start to do that. It allows you to start to take on the aspects of the greatness of the human experience, the heart, the strength, the ability to perform on almost every level and every plane of who you are, to have true mastery, and to have real experiences of your gifts, Everyone in this room has amazing, amazing spiritual gifts. There's not a single one of you that don't. Because I've seen that unfold in everyone who does ritual consistently for the length of time that I've been in this esoteric world. I know people that can control the weather, that can cure cancer through contact with spirits, that can levitate, that can turn themselves invisible. Like, I've seen the shit. They have no need to be on the news because they don't care. They're about transformation and healing and to heal the people that are around them. When you move into true states of power, you don't give a damn because you got it. So then you just help out the people that you're guided to, right? But these people are utterly amazing. You can believe that or not. I really don't care if you do because I've experienced it. I know what's real and what the potential of all this is, right? I've seen crazy shit through ritual. Absolutely amazing shit. Thing is, you'll never reach there unless you start leaning in this direction and make yourself devoted to it. Otherwise, we are interacting with Astra, which dictates our entire experience on autopilot, which is never ideal, as I've discussed. So let's go into what is this ritual I speak of? What is this? So ritual defined, let's go into it a little bit. The basis of ritual is connection. The number one thing of ritual is connection. 
but not just a mundane one, not our understanding of touching this table or even giving someone a hug. This connection is multidimensional, going beyond the four dimensions, four dimensions of physical understanding, affecting our interaction with the astral plane. So it actually influences the astral plane, right? And you start to become this person of power. You start to stand in authority because to even do that, you have to claim your domain, right, as a being who can interact with the astral in a conscious way. The human body runs on energy. Energy to make the heartbeat, brain function, muscles contract and release and more. Ritual calls for us to engage the basis of that energy for conscious utilization. And what I mean by that is you have to raise energy in the body. You have to raise energy in the psyche and in the nervous system in order to do ritual. Once energy is raised, uh, this energy is raised by many means, but some of the most common are the human voice, the auric field projection, psychic projection, intensive body postures and movement, intensive imagination events. When I say intensive imagination events, I'm talking about imagining something as if it's real so much that you make it real. Once you've reached that level of imagination, then it becomes something in ritual that is real to you. That's a very powerful movement. But the rest of it you can kind of understand. It's actually projecting different things on the reality so much so that you believe that they're real. Once sufficient energy is raised, then if the ritual has a proper foundation for it, many things can be done with it, such as opening a portal to the astral and making connection there, moving blocks to your own transformation, hitting a target to influence an outcome, moving our physical reality, etc. When I say hitting a target to influence an outcome, say, for instance, you're doing a ritual to get a job and you want to influence the, job, the person who's the decision maker, you're raising energy to hit that person in a way that allows them to do something in your favor, right? And so a lot of people would think that that's manipulation, and it absolutely is. We manipulate constantly. You might as well be conscious about it and make it in your favor. You manipulate everyone around you all the time. You manipulate family members with your voice and, and how you phrase things, your friends. All your interactions have manipulation in them. Don't fool yourself into thinking they don't. You're not that spiritual. It's delusional to think otherwise. You manipulate everyone around you in a certain way. It can be very subtle. It doesn't have to be malicious. It's a part of the human experience because we were born to have authority and command. And so what we do is we don't exercise that in a conscious manner. So we subconsciously project it on everyone around us. And so we try to manipulate everything. This is actually very healthy because you're consciously doing it. Right? Ritual requires a true need. So the first thing you have to have is a real desire. When was the last time you fought for something as if your life depended on it? I can't think of, I mean, I can think of the only one time that I did, and that's here recently with my daughter. Right? But you have to get to the point to where you're willing to fight for something to enter into ritual. Where you want a life that is different so bad that you're willing to do what is necessary. Once you have that kind of grit in you, then you can move into feeling the lack of it. Then in ritual, what you'll do is, once you feel the desperation, you'll transform it into having it in your mind. I'll give you an example. We have ritual kits over there. One of the most successful rituals that we have is the road opener. 
People buy it by the droves. I've taught about it in Atlanta for three years now. We have classes over it, yada, yada. The thing that happens in that ritual is you get in contact with your lack, with your utter and complete lack and need to have your roads open. And when I say your roads are open, you have to imagine what that looks like too. But you have to imagine the opposite of it. What happens when you imagine your roads open and everything in your life is completely free to you? It's on track. It's synchronistic. The highest ideals of who you are are being met. And everything is opening before you. Right? And you're transforming in ways that are beyond your imagining. Now, what are the voices that come up whenever you imagine that? That's the opposite of that. Ah, this is bullshit. Doing this little rich thing going to do nothing for you. You'll never have that. Just think about all the things you've been trained into that tell you this is where you belong right now, right here. Because where you, where you are right here, right now, and not necessarily in the shop I'm talking about in your life, is selling yourself short, no matter how far you've come. You have a whole dimension of development left to you. It is unreal what's available to you from this point. But you'll never see it unless you start to think in that type of potentiality. And so the opposite of that is just staying where you're at. Right? And believing that where you're at is okay. And who knows? For you, it may be right now. But if you knew what was on the other side, if you really put your all into it, if you knew where you could be, the lives you could change, how you could affect them, the satisfaction and the amazing fulfillment you could get from moving forward, then you would do everything within your power to devote yourself to that kind of life. So believe me, you've sold yourself short no matter where you're at. Because the potential to move forward is there. All you have to do is start engaging the astral. And so you have to feel the lack of not having. And then what you do in the road opening ritual is you program a candle with that lack. Then you program the white candle with having your, your life completely fulfilled in every direction. Right? So you feel both instances. You go from lack into transformation. And then you become extremely determined. Feel it in your bones how bad you want this. And that you accept nothing less than your reality being what you want it to be according to the ritual and the design that it is. Right? And the structure that it's in. And that creates a shit ton of energy building up in the body. And then we have you do a chant for two hours while the candles burn down. And it's a level of commitment that comes out. That's how the store was created. Kelly did the road opener. And in two weeks, she had re, um, an investor. She had a place to go. And she had the line built. And in six weeks, she was open. I mean, from nothing from absolutely nothing. So we live this shit. We understand. We know what's going on. We know the play into the astral, right? Now, Kelly's particularly gifted. Her connection with the astral was already there. She was a tarot reader. She'd done a shit ton of work on herself for over eight years by the time she did something like that, right? And learned from depth teachers who brought her into very deep places inside. So when she did that ritual, 
She was already ready to really engage with it and punch it through. That makes sense? That's why I go over the other shit I do before I go into ritual and explaining it. Because it's very important. The more you do that shit, the more powerful you become in ritual. And then you, when you engage in the astral, it's busted wide open. And then once you wrap your determination around it and your commitment, then you send that energy out like a bullet. Then it hits your reality from the astral and it creates something different for you. It opens everything up. That's how ritual works. From top to bottom. So the thing that happens is, and I'll go into this just a little bit, when it comes into to ritual is, this is the God realm up here. So that's the area where a lot of the energy that created the cosmos comes from, according to old Gnostics and people who have experiences with the, with the actual spiritual realm. They believe that, and they've experienced that, there's an energy and a force that constantly creates. It created the world. It created everything around us. So a lot of things that fall through the astral come from there, okay? So the problem is that we stay in our little box here as a human being with five different openings, right? And something comes from the astral and says, hey, I've got something to teach you. I've got something to show you. But we don't know how to engage it. So it comes and says, it has to come through these five senses, and we don't even know what it is. We can't see it. Because we haven't been doing ritual, we don't understand it. And that gives us our perceived reality. And that's the setup all of us walk into ritual with, all of us walk into this room with. Is that one right there. Around us are constant spiritual beings and constant things to teach us. The shamans could see the overlay of the land and could see that, right? There are shamans out there that can pass their hands through this table because they accept a completely different view of reality than all of us do. They don't accept that it's just solid, and so in that, they've been able to see this for what it is and choose a different perceived reality. They see beyond all the stuff that's in the box, all the stuff that's inside. They've worked on themselves enough. So that, that leads to several other things. But with ritual, the point is to be able to get to the point where you create this right here because that allows you to see it. It's your sixth sense that really, really starts to develop. It starts to go into your birthright. But let me go into ritual just a little bit more and wrap things up because I know that we're getting kind of close. 20? Okay, good. So what I described to you a while ago with the road opener is a typical ritual, okay? You start to feel the lack. You have a desire to move and to transform. Then you move into actually having it and that you're going to command the reality to have it, and you wrap your determination around that and send it out. That is the basic setup of a ritual and how to do it. A lot of you came today to understand what it is to actually do ritual on a consistent basis. One of the greatest things that you can do when it comes to ritual is have a daily ritual that cleanses you. And I'm not talking about just taking a spiritual bath. I'm talking about actually engaging the astral in a way that calls on beings that cleanses your field and what you are, because there's a lot of things in there, like generational curses, okay, that are stuck in your auric field that you were born with. Astral parasites. Yes, there's parasites in the mundane world. 
The spiritual world is a reflection of that, as above, so below. So we have parasites here in the physical world. You also have parasites in the energetic world. A lot of us don't know shit about that and don't know how to cleanse them, don't know what to do with them, don't understand how they sabotage our lives and what they do to bring up the improper emotions and improper ways of being in front of others so that we can't manifest properly in that moment and what to do in those instances because they feed off of dismay. They feed off of fear and chaos. That's what they feed on. And so they do their best to try to create that in your life. And without a ritual on a daily basis that allows you to have true power in cleansing those and starting to address those, you are at a big disadvantage. So just an FYI, you need a daily cleansing ritual. Examples of that are, Damon Brand has a book out called Magical Protection. It's absolutely phenomenal. There's one in there called The Sword Ritual. The sword ritual is very easy to do, easy to memorize, and engages actual astral entities that are very powerful. And if you do it, you'll feel it from head to toe. After you learn it, it can be done in five minutes. It'll take a little bit of time to learn it. It'll take a little bit of time to get used to saying something out loud in your home when someone else may be listening. But the more you do that... The more you claim your power and your energy through doing that on a consistent basis, the more you're going to find that synchronicity starts to happen in your life. You become a little stronger when you go up against your boss or your partner. You start to, it's, really, it's a lot easier to start to set your boundaries on a consistent basis. It's a lot easier to start to maneuver in your life. You start to see, see synchronicities open up more than what they are right now. And your intuition becomes a little bit more engaged. You're like, oh, wait. That didn't write for me over there. I know not to go that way. Wow, I wouldn't have known that about a week ago. You do the sword ritual on a consistent basis, after a week, your life will start to open up differently. That's something I can attest to. I've seen it happen time and time again with the students that come to me. I've been doing four iterations of my class now. A lot of people come through it. And the very first thing that I teach them is a sword ritual. And their life starts to open up within a week. It starts to change. So look up that book. Start to get into that. If you don't want to do that, you can do something a lot more complex that has a lot more engagement in it and starts to address you on several different levels. It's called the LBRP, the Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram. That thing is a whole lot harder to learn. But the payoff is worth it. You start to engage beings that have real power when you pull that in and you start to cleanse yourself in a way that you haven't probably your entire life yet. And so it starts to feel different. Your authority starts to become more and more evolved. That's when you start to grow as a spiritual being, start to become beyond the baby stage. You start to become like a teenager a little bit, start to fill yourself out. Like you wonder what the kind of the fuck is up now, right? You start to be able to see the spirit world a little bit, start to be able to engage with people differently in a way that has you intact and your boundaries start to set real easy. Start to do the LBRP. Do that for a week and then get back with me. That's a big, big change. These are engagements that are not taught. It's not yoga. It's not saying a rhyme on the full moon. 
It's not um, chance. I'm talking about actual engagement with the astral and with beings of power that reflect the highest and most engaging power that you contain and make you feel it and reflect that in you. Then you can walk differently. Then you can speak differently and act differently. But that cleansing aspect has to start happening. If you don't like angelics, that is both the Sword Ritual and LBRP. If you like more of the old gods, really, really a great book on that is uh, the book of, uh, of Soul Recall, Soul Retrieval. The book of Soul Retrieval by Enoch Petrosilli. Phenomenal book. The book of Soul Retrieval. Unbelievable. His rights in there are absolutely amazing. And he engages the old gods, the old beings of power, to cleanse you of parasites, energetic parasites. And just a couple days of doing that, you feel the difference. I don't agree with everything he has in that book. I don't, every author that I, that I recommend, I don't agree with everything they have to say. But I can tell you his rights are legit. Yes. Yeah. Kalani just said in the audience that his ideas challenge her conditioned thinking, which is a good thing. Yes. Yeah, Magical Protection by uh, Damon Brand. D-A-M-O-N-B-R-A-N-D. Oh, Enoch Petroselli. Enoch, E-N-O-C-H. Petroselli, P-E-T-R-U-C-E-L-L-Y. It might be E-Y. Those are phenomenal books, and, and the, the rights in those books will actually make a difference. There's a lot of hokey books out there that tell you to do stupid shit, to be honest with you, in magic and in ritual. These are the real deal. Um, not everything in magical protection works, to be quite honest, for me, in my experience. But the sword ritual, for sure, is a very legit ritual in that book. Um, Enoch Preticelli's book is absolutely phenomenal. The rights in there will make a humongous difference in how you're able to contain yourself, your own power, how you move into your gifts, all that stuff. Phenomenal work on both those authors. This last slide, and I'll go into kind of a little bit of, of what we're engaging as we move out just a little bit. This last slide is taken basically all from E.A. Coedding's book, um, The Book of Azazel. Uh, I don't agree with everything that he does. I think, I think some of it is questionable, but his, some of his books are absolutely phenomenal, and I agree with this aspect that this whole slide basically is taken from him. But um, Humans are multidimensional ent entities existing in 24 dimensions, yet normally only experiencing four of those on a conscious level that I've went over. Consciousness is the fifth dimension experienced only in hyperstates of mysticism. During sleep, meditation, ritual, and prayer, as many as eight dimensions may be experienced at one time. We must train ourselves to begin experiencing different levels of reality, hence the training so far, and this is taken from one of my courses, so... This is a quote by him, and I want to go over this just a little bit. In order to evoke an entity into four-dimensional materialization, simple four-dimensional models of action and interaction are not sufficient. 
The evocateur is not summoning an entity from another realm as much as he or she is summoning existence as a whole to alter entirely enough to allow such an impossibility to become present. And I'll tell you, every time you do ritual, whether or not you're summoning an entity, that's what you're doing. You are commanding your reality to be different in a way that engages all the aspects of your existence well beyond the fourth dimensional understanding. This is what gives magicians and people who study ritual such a huge advantage in this life. So people who really have this shit down, they can walk completely different than you can if you don't. Because they can command their reality to be different for real in the moment if they have enough experience with it. It is their task then to create a new world, a world wherein gods and spirits commune with mortals, and then to replace the former world with the one of the evocator's creation. The issue of obtaining godhood is less of actively working towards such a state, but instead it is a relinquishing of the fourth dimensional consciousness to the rapture of ritual. You have to create a setting in ritual where you believe it so strongly and you are so taken over with what happens in that moment that you create a new reality for yourself and you demand nothing less. And that is true spiritual growth because you have just stepped into your godhood when you do it. Does that make sense? Any questions over it? Because that's a kind of complicated quote. Any questions over that? Over the action of it? Because how I just described the road opener ritual, for instance, you are demanding that your roads be open, and you're accepting nothing less. You're putting your full determination around it, and you're raising energy around it, and you're committing to it by doing a two-hour chant. That's commitment. A lot of us don't know how to set or st stay still for anything. Yes? Absolutely. So uh, the question was just, if you don't know what path you want to take and you just want to, um, you just want something better for yourself. When Kelly did the road opener ritual to open up the store, she didn't do it to open up the store. She did it to get herself out of depression. She didn't know what she wanted. She had no clue. The store was just what was needed in order for her to expand into more of who she is and create something glorious for people. That makes sense? Almost like a movement. And so you don't have, there are rituals out there that have a good foundation. That's the thing. You have to choose rituals that have a good foundation, that address the psyche a certain way, that address the astral a certain way, that start to move you in a direction where full commitment is demanded. That makes sense? And where your energy is engaged. That's a real ritual. And she did a real one. The, the road opener was taught to me by a Paolo Priestess out west, like it's the real deal. And so when she did it, it really worked. A, because she's a powerful person already, and she's already done a shit ton of work on herself and was open. But B, because it had the right structure to contain her energy. Does that make sense? So you have to know what you're doing actually engages those aspects. So do your homework. And the books that I've recommended actually have real shit in them to, for you to start to change your life. If you just did those, you would start to change everything because clarity would start to come on board. 
a deeper understanding of your gift will start to come forward. Make sense? And if you're in the state where you don't know what you want, you don't know what ritual you need to do, well, just start cleansing. You will start to have everything engaged in a different manner around you and start to unfold differently. And you'd be able to listen to yourself for the first time in your life in a way that had real clarity. Eventually, the cleansing that you would do, things would start to drop in, and you would just know that they're right. You're like, okay, I'm going that way. I know it's right. You know what I'm saying? And your authority would be there. You'd be able to maneuver differently. And when you step forward with that authority, people and life in general reacts to you differently. It's just how it is. And so if you stay small spiritually, everything around you is going to be able to react to you that way. In a small way somehow. And life will not command. Life doesn't open up for people who don't command it to. If you don't command life to open up to you, it's not going to. Go ahead. So if we wanted to incorporate practices like kundalini or qigong, would you recommend that before or after the clearing? I'd recommend it before. Um, any practices such as yoga, uh, kundalini yoga, qigong, or any energetic practices where you're training the body on how to respond to energy, do it before any ritual and it would enhance the ritual experience because one of the most important things you can do is train yourself into the sensing of energy. It's another thing that ritual does. So other benefits that I didn't even mention in here, two important ones, very, very important. We have no clue how to sense the energy around us in this day. Even people who are sensitive to it don't have any mastery around it. Like I'm talking about real mastery, like being able to sense the energy so well that you know exactly how to step and where to go that's right for you in the day. Know who to talk to and who not to, what to do, right? That's a true sensing of the energy in the setting that you're in and, that, and that's before you. And you can feel it in the body, right? You can actually feel the energy in the body and what's, what's good and what's not and how it reflects. And so doing body-oriented exercises that train you into the energy are really, really important. But beyond that, what ritual does, once you get into the presence of these beings or once you, you get into the presence of these beings that are reflections of your inner, however you want to believe that they are, once you do this and you actually engage the astral, then you can feel the energy in the room. It's palpable if you do it right. You are training yourself into sensing energy every time you do a ritual. Every time you do an, a ritual, you're training yourself. Even if it's just like the road opener where you're not engaging an entity at all, you're raising that energy up inside of you, that determination. When you start to say out loud, all my roads are open, all my blocks are unblocked, like, you, like we tell you to in that ritual. You start to really engage it. You start to feel it in the body if you do it right. So it trains you into sensing in the energy of the body. That is super, super important. That can guide your whole fucking life. So the more you do ritual, the more you're trained into sensing into the energy of a situation. Number two, another great benefit that I didn't mention in the slides Ritual change, tra uh, trains you into the exertion of your will. Your will decides everything. Who is in charge of your life? It's a good question, isn't it? Have you ever really, really asked that question and thought about it? Are you really in charge? What about that dream you got? Why aren't you doing it? If you're in charge... Why are you not going after it? 
What is keeping you from doing that? It's fears, beliefs, programming, all the bullshit, right? But what if you were trained in how to will through that shit? Ritual can get you there. It trains you in building determination. It trains you in punching through when tough situations come around. It trains you in having command of your space and yourself on a consistent basis. There's no other training that I know of, especially solo, that's free that you can get that does that. Very, very important aspects of ritual that it trains you into. Benefits are countless. I mean, I could sit here for three hours talking about it. If we were to go into the depth of it, if we were to go into the layers of it, there's so much to discuss here. In fact, I spend seven to eight weeks and charge people $1,500 a piece to guide them through it step by step and change their lives at the end of it. And by the end, they think it's a good value. Think on that for a minute. Why is that? It's because their experiences are absolutely phenomenal through that class. It's not because of me. I don't give a fuck. It's because of their experiences. Their experiences through the platform of ritual, overcoming their fears, overcoming the religious training, overcoming the emotional setbacks of not feeling powerful in their lives, and the juxtaposition of that of feeling absolutely amazing in a ritual and having to deal with that. That's a big task. That's a big task for anybody. That's why this sitting in like popular and being preached on every corner. Because it's hard. It's not easy. It's not easy to face those multi-layered levels of the self. But all I got to say at the end of this, if you do nothing else but cleanse ritually, cleanse those fucking parasites, you will start to engage your reality completely differently. No matter how much spiritual work you think you've done on yourself or how many gurus you've sat under, you've got to cleanse those things on a consistent basis. You've got to start addressing the generational curses, uh, curses that are in your bloodline. That's real. That's in an aura. A guru could see it and tell you about it. Go to one. Have them check it out. Hey, check me out for curses. He's like, yep, there's one, there's one, there's one. We're all born with them. Because this world is a polarity planet. There's war and there's peace. There's chaos and there's order. All of us are born in a way that is not scot-free. So believe me, you have some shit on you. Time to start getting it off in this lifetime so that you can start working toward evolving into real satisfaction, real fulfillment, real godhood. Where are we at on time? What? It's 12? It's 12 on the nose. If you all have any questions whatsoever, I love talking about the shit. I love helping people out. Just come and see me after this is over, and we'll talk. All right? And I'll be starting another cycle soon for my class. And I'll be starting, um, hopefully, a depth work for people who've been working with me soon after that. Um, that will be uh, basically a, a version 2.0 of what I'm offering. So y'all have a lovely day. Thank you so much for coming. This episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School.